All right, everybody, here we are. My name is Connor Lamans. I'm here with my co-host, Justin Global for episode 84. I'm sorry, scratch that. 94 of Bucketheads. We need to give ourselves credit. That's 10 additional episodes. Episode 94 of Bucketheads. We are recording about an hour and a half after Ohio State's 27-point victory over the Central Michigan Chippewas as the Buckeyes are two-thirds of the way through with their Mac gauntlet, Justin. Yeah, uh, Connor, I'm going to start this off with something not related to Ohio State again. Um, so just real quick, I came to a realization today, and I don't know if it's a correct one or not. So to give some context to what I'm about to say, I work from home uh, all the time. My main job, I'm the senior writer for AmberGolf.com, so I just work from home and do that all day. Um, I have I have a, a L-shaped desk, and I have two desktops, like computers next to me, next to my laptop that I write on, and fire mm-hmm. sticks are in both of them. Right. And I just watch sports all day that and I just do my job. Uh, I caught myself today on both TVs watching. It was two thirty. I had ESPN plus on one YouTube TV on the other. I was watching live central Connecticut state play army in basketball. And I was rewatching Providence play Wagner. And that was a game. Providence won by 40. And I actually came to the realization, Connor, I think I like college basketball too much. Because uh, those games were horrendous. Army is so bad at basketball. I genuinely believe I could put together five of my friends and might be able to give them a run. And um, yeah, so I might need to seek help. Seek professional help. I I, I do feel like okay. I I would not watch those games. Actually, I would rather <laughs> do a lot of. I would rather do a lot of other things. But I do feel like during the basketball season, like I feel like. It's nice strong. tonight. I had Ohio State on one TV and, you know, Kentucky or uh, North Carolina, Tennessee on the other. But during the day, when you're watching that, whew, that's a lot. Yeah, I feel like the more basketball I watch, the stronger I get, the more superpowers I get, the more knowledge I gain because I'm like, oh, God, come March. Dude, I'm going to be so good in my bracket because who who else was watching this Minnesota versus Eastern Michigan game? Nobody. But I know. I know. And then it comes to the bracket and then, like, Purdue loses to Fairleigh Dickinson, like, fucking none of it matters but i do feel like when I, I watch more basketball i'm getting more knowledge and i'm like dude I, I know so much about so many different teams none of it matters with the bracket none of it none of it matters no it never matters. i lost to my mom one year in a bracket challenge she watched zero college basketball games she picked them based on the colleges that she just liked you can know so much about all the different teams and it does not matter with the bracket in march you like want to flex your knowledge and it, it doesn't even doesn't even matter but yeah there's lots of things i would rather do than watch central connecticut state they are the what they're the devils or they're the blue devils oh they are kent state's only win this year in football we, we talked about this already they're they are they're the blue devils yeah um, that's the second time they've come up on this that's crazy maybe this is turning into that kind of podcast instead of st john's this is a central connecticut state university podcast okay enough of that um belief i say that's it. Your favorite, your favorite uh, conference, the Mac, Ohio State. They already knocked off one directional Michigan school last week. They knock off another one tonight, Central Michigan. Um, it's it was like it, it the the game against Central Michigan was kind of like the encapsulation of how darn near every early season non conference game feels like for the Big Ten schools that I watch. Which is after ten minutes, you check the score and you go, huh insert big 10 team is only leading 
insert really shitty small school by one with eight minutes left in the first half. And you go, oh, they must be bad. And then at halftime, they're up 10. And you check the final score and that insert Big Ten school wins by like 30 and they cover the spread. And you're like, man, that those first 10 minutes really were concerning. And if, if you only check the final score, you would never know. Yeah, I mean, it felt a lot like the Western Michigan game. <laughs> uh, they went on one big run to kind of open it up and then, uh, you know, kind of some a little bit of sloppy play late, but also, you know, I tweeted this during the game because I don't know how much you're on Twitter. Like during the game, you're kind of like tweeting and stuff, but you're just like tweeting, not looking at Twitter. People got real kind of flustered after 10 minutes that it was like, I think it was when it was 22 to 21 and it ended up being like 22 to 19 because they took away a, a bat. They took away a goaltending call, which was a good takeaway. It was not goaltending. Um, so something like that. And people were like, typical Holtman team, you know, they did coming off big wins. They go there sleepwalking into this. And it's like, you got to take into some of the contextual stuff that matters with these games. Like they're, they just traveled all the way back from Florida. You're coming off two big kind of adrenaline highs, emotional games. It's a Wednesday night at the shot. No one's there. It's Central Michigan. You can, you know, they're not good. You know, it is kind of hard to get up for these games. And I'm not, I'm not using excuse. And it'd be like if this game was a five to ten point win, that's a whole different story. But sometimes you just gotta let them get into a little bit of flow. You knew that 15-0 run was coming at some point. You knew they're gonna end up winning by 25. Just you gotta let the game play out. Sometimes I think we get a little too caught up. It, it's truly for anybody who's played basketball, it's hard to blow out a team in 10 minutes. It really is. I mean, that sounds stupid, but it is It is hard to get out to a lead immediately and just continuously hold it because basketball is such a game of runs. So I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about the start. I think it, was, it wasn't great. I think you tweeted out, like, the seven turnovers on, like, one of the worst defenses in the country immediately. Obviously not great, but I thought they handled it well. Bruce Thornton was kind of the settler of the team. You know, he just settled everything down, took the game into his hands. And then other guys stepped up in the second half. So I thought it was fine. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a 40 minute game. It's a 40 minute game. Yeah, correct. And <laughs> nobody, you know, Ohio state football did not take a loss because they were losing at halftime to Rutgers. Yeah, right. Bring the, that up. It, it's, a, it's a great example. Like <laughs> they're losing at halftime to Rutgers that Ohio state doesn't lose the game. You have, there's a reason they full 40 minute, you know, football is not 40, but same. It's the, the comparison. It's yeah. a full 40 minute basketball game. Like, you can't just take a halftime and be like, God, this team sucks. And then like like tonight, be like, yeah, Ohio State looked kind of shitty the first like 13 minutes of this game. But you can't be like, I know they won by 27, but God, they were shitty because those first 13, like it's a 40-minute game, a game of runs, a game of ebbs and flows. Like they had a 15-0 run in the first half that pushed them apart. And then they opened the second half with a 9-0 run. And pretty much after the first two minutes of the second half, they went up the the 9-0 run, made like a 21-point lead. That game was done. Like With like 16 minutes left, you had a lineup that was like Taysen Chapman, Zed Key, Dale Bonner, Evan Mahaffey. They were were trying some stuff late, for sure. There were were 18 minutes left in that game, and the coaching staff was already in. Let's mix and match. Let's try some different guys together. Let's get Bowen Hardman and Austin Parks in. Let's let Devin, like, let's play Devin Royal for 15 minutes with Taysen Chapman and Felix Akpara. Like, let's just see how it looks like. This game within two minutes of the first half, second half starting, was done. This, so, you know, I, I'm getting to the point where I think Ohio State might be good. Like, I'm well, getting, I, I call the- this, this period right here to me, 
I call this the danger zone. And I'm talking about Thanksgiving break to Christmas break. I think that's the danger zone because there's so much going on outside of basketball with these guys. They're dealing with finals. They're dealing with Christmas plans. It's Thanksgiving to Christmas. So it's kind of a weird lull of like you only in like a month, really, they only play five games. So there's time in between games. You also aren't really playing good teams, but you randomly have two conference games tossed in there. And then you randomly have UCLA. It's just, it's a weird time. And as long as they can just get through these four games before UCLA, 4-0, I really don't care how they do it. Uh, that's why I, I think it's very fortunate that they don't have like a Wisconsin or anybody throwing, you know, it's Minnesota and Penn State, probably the 13th or 14th teams in the Big Ten, considering what you think about Nebraska. So just get through these four games, beat Miami of Ohio too, because they're not good, and then get to UCLA 901. That's the only that's the only thing that matters in my opinion. So that's that's just my two cents on that. Um, something that is 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 fun to talk about that um, we actually have never talked about it, but I I sent out a poll tonight on Twitter. We've never discussed this, but we were thinking the same thing. The way that Bruce Thornton was playing, he had 19 in the first half, I believe, against Central Michigan. He had 19. The rest of his team had 22. So, like, his all his teammates combined for 22. Bruce had 19 in the first half. Um, he pretty much just got what he wanted. You know, if he wanted the little, like, seven-foot mid-range jumper, he got it. If he, I think he was, like, three of four from three or something like that. Um, three, three of seven. I think, was, yeah. I think he started three of four and then missed a few, but... Yeah. Um. Still, three of seven is is still very good. Um. Cassius Winston is what came to mind when I was watching him. I'm like, and then I was talking to the guy next to me on on, on press row, and I, I asked him. I said like, if Bruce Thornton by his like peak gets to Cassius Winston level, do you think that like is that a disappointment? Is that like that's that's a very high like is that a disappointment like he should be better than that is it like I don't know if he'll be quite that good I don't know if he'll be quite that good or like very similar and I asked him that and the guy that was sitting next to me said like I think that if he only gets to Cassius Winston level that will be a disappointment I look at Cassius, Cassius Winston stats and he was almost a he was almost a two thousand point scorer at Michigan State yeah averaged eighteen his junior and senior and when I think of like Michigan State players of the last like 20 years he is one of the first few that i think of like he is one of the very very great big 10 guards of the past decade two decades i think so i was just i just think it's really interesting i think they're similar players they, they have a similar playing style i think bruce is a little bit bigger than cassius winston but it's like all about how you think about cassius winston is if you think that that's like an achievable kind of like uh plateau uh, potential kind of thing. Yeah, so I have a couple comments that I'm going to get back to that Cassius Winston thing. Well, it's all about that, but the specific of like, if he doesn't get there, that's not good enough because that's kind of wild. Um, we did, I did actually kind of have this conversation after the, who they beat? Alabama game. I tweeted Bruce Almighty uh, and our guy AJ Chai Wizardry answered me and said, we finally got lucky with Bruce, a great player who the NBA doesn't love, which is very true. Like, Bruce can probably do anything this year and not go to the NBA, which is great. I commented back and I said, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Thornton's an amazing college guard that should be, I said should, a four-year guy, probably at least three. And I said a Jalen Brunson type. 
I do think there's some similarities with Thornton in the way Jalen Brunson play. I'm obviously not saying I think Thornton's going to be that he could be the college basketball player of the year by a senior year. I don't know. But I think there's a similar type there of just like guys that are great college guards. And then our guy JR at Buckeye Buckets commented back to that and said, he always gave me a Cash and Winston impact vibes. So that's definitely a comp that I've seen around. That's a comp I agree with. Uh, Cassius Winston was a dog at Michigan State. Like, was absolutely phenomenal. Was, uh, I, I mean, Catalyst doesn't even feel like it's, like, enough to say what he did at Michigan State. I'm not sure people real. I, I'll say this. People realize how many points 2,000 is. I guess people just don't realize Winston was that close to it. Um, but he's also, he's also like, Bruce Thornton in the fact that I believe Winston was a f- full-time starter immediately at Michigan State, which in the Tom Izzo world is rare. Um, so yeah, I, I think if he gets to cash as Winston, this team is going to be very, very good because correct me if I'm wrong. I could be cash as Winston never had a Roddy Gale. Wasn't the white, the white dude, uh, his shooting guard for the most of the time. And I think he was good. Are you, Roddy, are you, I was are you slandering Matt McQuaid right now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, good player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I think Roddy Gale is probably better. Um, or should be better. So, you know, you pair you pair, you know, Cassius Winston with a Roddy Gale type, and Eric Musselman is getting completely tossed from this game as he is up 15 against Duke. No, he's not actually. Wow, congratulations. Well, no, well, it's coming back for more. Oh, oh and commercial. All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, I I think Cassius Winston's a good comp. I think if he gets there, like if we can say he had a career comparable to Cassius Winston, I think that's a phenomenal Buckeye career. And I've said it since he got to campus, only because, and I preface this, you can correct me. I don't consider D'Angelo Russell to be a point guard at Ohio State. He pretty much played the two with Shannon Scott playing the one. They switched in and out, but kind of more consider Russell a shooting guard. I think Bruce Thornton's the best point guard they've had since Mike Conley. So I said a lot there. Um, Cassius Winston did come off the bench as a freshman, but he averaged 6.7 points and 5.2 assists off the bench in just 20 minutes a game as a freshman. That's, that's yeah, Tom Izzo must have loved that. <laughs> So then as a you know sophomore, junior, senior, it was 13 points, 19 points, 19 points. Um, he shot as a career a 43% three-point shooter, 46% shooting as a guard, especially a, a ball-dominant guard. Um, that's very good. 85% from free throw. It wasn't he, – he didn't really rebound. He's kind of a little fella, um, as in like not quite as dense as, as Bruce. He's like six – they have uh, on the Michigan State website, I have him as 6'1", 185. Bruce, I believe, is more like six foot, like 215. It's like an inch shorter, but like 25 pounds heavier. Um, Cassius Winston, like when I think of Cassius Winston, I don't immediately think like, oh, this is a guy that was like an electric scorer. He was like a national player of the year, like household name. But like he was always a pain in your ass. He somehow always did get double digits every time he played Michigan State. He always would have a line of like 14, 15 points, five or six assists, always makes the, the smart play. And one of the most beloved Michigan State Spartans in that entire fan base. I don't know if you, if you remember like what happened with his brother yeah. um, when he was a senior. His brother, his brother passed away, like really tragic, tragic, tragic stuff with his brother passing away. So like the whole like senior day of Cassius Winston, like, Leaning down and like kissing the Spartan and stuff, like definitely one of Tom Izzo's favorite players he's had. Definitely one of the most loved Spartans, and it's not all just off of emotion. Like he was an awesome player, so I just thought that was a really interesting thing to put as a poll. 
And so far, 45% of people, there's not a ton of votes, but we're getting close to 50 votes now. Um, 45% of people saying Thornton is going to be a better player than Cassius Winston. Uh, 37% of people are saying that they're when, when Bruce has hit his ceiling, he'll be a very similar player to Cassius. And 17.5%, he said that Bruce is not quite going to get to that level. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny because, like I said, I think I think people maybe just kind of forget when you think of Cassius Winston, you definitely think like team guy, right? Beloved by the team, you you know, kind of like a, a huge glue guy for them. But then you kind of forget just how productive he was. Like you said, almost two thousand points. I bet if you polled people, they would probably bet he was in like the 12 to 1500 range, not almost 2000. So I think Cash Winston, if Bruce Thornton gets to that range, I still think like a Jalen Brunson comp is good. I was trying to think, I thought of Yogi Ferrell, but that, I don't think that's a good comp. Uh, so I kind of forget. Cash is, is, is the best one that I can think of. I think that Jalen Brunson is like a tier above Cash Winston, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, he won player of the year, so it's, it's hard to end, put anybody in that echelon. Um, but I think just in terms of like kind of the way they play, I think it's similar. And just in terms of like, like Jalen Brunson was always really good at Villanova and just never cracked like, oh, this is an NBA guy. Now, obviously, he cracked that code when he got to the NBA, but, you know, he's a second round pick. So or late first round, maybe. So, you know, I, I think that's just something that like Bruce Thornton, same with Cassius Winston, you know, like uh, these guys are just really, really good college guards. Kind of like, a again, not the way they play, but like a Frank Mason, you know. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm 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 getting to the point where I think Ohio State might be good. A, a few weeks ago, I said, "Give me all of November." Well, let's get let's get a full sample of November, and then I feel like that is enough basketball to actually start formulating opinions, and the sample size would be big enough that you can kind of start making some observations and some. I think um, they've played enough good teams. Yeah, I mean, A and M, Alabama, and Santa Clara. I think the, the things that we try to caution people against. The things we try to caution people against saying after one or two games, the blanket statements of this team is bad at blank, they're good at blank, and I already know this because I've watched them play two games. Well, once you've had a full month, I think you can start making those statements. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that they are like a. It was presented. The roster was presented to us. I feel like as most teams try to say every year is any guy can do it on any given night. We're not going to have one guy. We're going to have multiple guys. I think they do have one guy. I think Bruce yeah. is that one guy. Like Bruce is the one guy. And personally, I trust teams more that have at least one guy who is the guy. But then Ohio State has two or three other guys who, in addition to Bruce Thornton scoring, say, tonight he had 25, 23, 25. You have Jamison Battle and Roddy Gale who are consistently going to give you at least 10 or 12 points a game. Those are your other guys who those guys are also capable, Roddy or Jamison, of maybe giving you 20 on any given night. They're not going to do that most nights, but they are capable of it. But they're going to be in the double digits while maybe Bruce is the guy. And I wasn't yeah. sure going into this season if they were going to have the guy or who the guy was going to be. But I think like Bruce is on track. Like he could be like a first team all big 10 potentially guy that averages like 17 or 18 points a game. I did not see that coming this quickly. Yeah. Um, I agree. I had him. 
I guess I kind of agree, but I kind of also called it when we did our bold predictions or one of those articles in the in the summer. I predicted Bruce Thorne to be a first team All American, uh, first team All Big Ten. Um, and someone was shitting on me like, "This is clickbait. He could easily do that." And I'm like, "That's not the point of the article." Yes, he could easily do it, but it would be a, obviously a huge jump to not go to go from not even honorable mention first team All Big Ten all the way to first team All Big Ten with the guards that are in the Big Ten: Bubui, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard. Not looking great, but still at the time, Ter- Terrence Shannon, uh, Braden Smith, Jameer Young. All these like, there's a lot of good guards in the Big Ten. Uh, so that was what my kind of point with that was like, it's not that he can't do it. It's that there's just a lot of people ahead of him right now. And it's a huge jump to make in just one, one year. And um, he's kind of already made it, you know, he's kind of already jumped a lot of those dudes and he's going to be, uh, I think he's probably going to, you know, I do think if there's a game where he really struggles offensively, then they might be in trouble depending on who they're playing. Um I think he is kind of the catalyst for the team, but I do agree that they're, you know, Jameson Battle gave him 20 against Santa Clara. Was that Santa Clara? He gave him 20. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Roddy Gale has, even in a game like this, where it felt like Roddy Gale, like maybe he had a couple bad sequences, but then you look at his stats, you're like, he still was really good. Uh, the biggest thing for me with Bruce Thornton is the lack of turnovers. He's just, he's just controlled the ball so well. And it's so huge because uh, it's just, you know, something that's killed this team over the years is like dumb turnovers to lead to other points, to lead to second chance points for teams that, and just kind of keeps teams that they should be able to beat by like 10, kind of keeps teams in it. And then you lose. Like, you know, it was funny. I looked back at the losing streak last year when it started, the Purdue game, and they lost six out of seven. Remember, they threw that Iowa win in there. I forgot they lost five of those six games by less than five points. You know, like those are where the margins are. That's how important this is. They lost all those games by single digits. And that's where when you have a guy that's holding the ball, and Dale Bonner's been good at this too, not turning the ball over, keeping you know as many possessions as possible, that's just huge in these games, in these Big Ten games where like the margins are going to be one, two, three, four baskets, you know, and that can be the difference. And uh, that's what Bruce Thorne has done so far. So it's been great to see. Yeah, I mean, it's just every – I'd say I, I expected – I expected – I know you expected more from Jamison Battle. I expected more from Jamison Battle. I thought more I likely than not. Coming. I still think it's coming, though. If there was going to be one guy who was – if, like, one guy was going to be the head of the, the snake, I thought it was going to be Jamison Battle going into the season. To this point, you know, he has not been, like, the, the key guy on offense, he's been more of a supporting guy, which still, if you're chipping in 12 or 13 points a game, that's very productive. Um, but it's like Jamison battle has been good. Not fantastic. It's mostly been Bruce and Roddy have like picked up where they left off in March. And that yeah, was at one point today. That they, was, had, they were 13 for 18 from the field. I don't know what they finished, but that's not bad. And like the message is, at the beginning of the season and the off season is like, yes, Bruce and Roddy are both really good in the big 10 tournament, but that's still a small sample size. So maybe pump the brakes. Don't expect, don't expect Roddy Gale to come out here and average, you know, 15 points a game this season. Don't expect Bruce to come out and do the things he did in the big 10 tournament. Well, like we're a month into the season. And for the most part, 
both of those guys are still doing the things that they were doing in March. Like, is Bruce going to still be averaging, you know, after tonight? I don't know what he's averaging after tonight. He came into the game averaging like 17 and a half and he just dropped 25. So I'm guessing he's closer to 20 now, probably like 18 or 19. Um, Roddy was averaging like 15, scored 11. So like, is Bruce still going to be averaging 20 come early March? Probably not. Could he be? At this fucking at this point, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I think he could be. So I, I I think that you know, you picked up Ohio State to finish fourth. I picked them to finish fifth. I really didn't think that they would be in the top four. But at this point, now that you know we've had the chance to watch all the Big Ten teams, the only team that I think is head and shoulders above the rest is Purdue. I think that Ohio State, I wouldn't pick them to finish second, but like. If Ohio State was to finish second in the Big Ten, would you be absolutely floored? Would you be like blown away now that you've seen most of these teams? Like, I don't think I would. No, I think from what I've watched, I think the top four are actually pretty. I won't say obvious because they haven't played any. They haven't played each other at all yet. But like, I would argue the top four. Well, I guess I can't even say. I was going to say the top four is Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State, Ohio State in any order. But Michigan State is still just kind of in there in my own head. They haven't really done much to prove that. Um, Illinois looked like about as 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 expected as they could have looked. They've played one team really good, Marquette. It's a close game, but they lost. They beat Oakland by 11. They kind of just done what Ohio State's done outside of Ohio State has a better win in Alabama, which I've said a couple of times I don't think it's going to age well, but nevertheless. Um, but a lot of the Big Ten teams have been underperforming. I think you can argue Purdue's overperformed. I think you could argue Nebraska to this point has overperformed. They got to play Creighton this week. We'll see how that goes. Um, and I think you'd argue Ohio State's overperformed. So that's a really good spot to be in, you know, coming. Uh, and like I said, they they start with Minnesota and Penn State in the in the non conference in the conference. So you have a good opportunity. Pretty much, a, it's set there for you to go two and zero and be nine and one walking to that UCLA game. And UCLA looks a lot better than I thought they might be. I still can't quite get a gauge on them. I think Felix Akpar is going to be huge in that game to slow down Adam uh, Bona. But still, you know, I think it's a winnable game. You could walk into, with West Virginia being as bad as they are, you could walk into January 12-1. and 1. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for this team to be really turning some heads come big Ten play. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see the evolution of the transfers. Dale Bonner's looked really good. Jamison Battle. I mean, this is with... To be honest, to this point, not a lot of production from the freshman. Let's be honest. Scotty Milton has looked really good in spurts. He's looked like a freshman at times. I think this was probably Devin Royal's best game, but it, but he's kind of been. I think he's been. I think he's kind of flirting with leaving the rotation at this point. Uh, he, I think he proved he should be in it today, but still at a at a, at a you know ten minutes a game, and Tayson Chapman is still just getting his sea legs. You know, he's only played three games in like six minutes. So um, it's it's nice having all this production with like, you know, probably more production is going to come from some of these guys as they get more comfortable. And that's nice to know. Hopefully. Yeah, they don't have to, they don't have to lean on the freshman this year. Like they had to lean on the freshman last year. Yeah, call um, me crazy. I'm, I'm, comfortable, to... I'm comfortable at this point saying they don't have a one and done. No, the no, it was really back only Scott. Regret it, but I don't think so. It was, it was really only Scotty that it looks like was, was considered maybe a one and done guy, but he just hasn't gotten off to like the crazy start that I anything's possible. Like so, anything's possible. 
now that yeah. NBA teams, so many, so many NBA teams now draft off of potential, potential and yeah. how, how athletic you are, like how you project out. So I guess, you know, could Scotty average like nine points and four rebounds and three assists and play really well in the final three weeks of the season and get drafted? Maybe, but like yeah. right now it's not, it's not looking like that. Did you get any word on out on the court about Scotty? He'll probably play Sunday. All right, cool. Yeah, I saw he had a boot on, but Jardy said it was all precautionary. So the 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 vibes were definitely <laughs> the vibes from Ohio State was definitely it's not worth it to play him in this game. Like we yeah, don't I completely think we're gonna, agree. I completely agree with that. We don't <laughs> think we're gonna need him and we don't think it'll be that much of a difference. So like why? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's jump into real quick a question that we got uh, about Taysen Chapman and kind of his role moving forward. Obviously, he's easing back into you know play and stuff, but um, you know he he had a he had a sequence today that wasn't great. He had like a little jumper that he left way short. You know, just kind of he looks a little tentative, maybe is a word. What are you kind of getting from Taysen? What do you kind of see from him? Um, you know, Holtman said today before the game, they're looking at an eight to nine man rotation. I think it's very clear that the, the ninth is going to be the Chapman or not. Um, what do you kind of see from, from him? What do you think we're going to get from him? Is it even too early to even tell? He, like, he looks, I don't know. I, I think he, he looks, he looks comfortable, but like, he's not taking any shots. Like Holtman, they asked Holtman after the game, like, what's it going to take for him to get more minutes? And he just said, I just think, I think Taysen, he said, I think Taysen looks rusty. Like he hasn't played in a basketball game yeah. in, in quite some time. Like I think he looks rusty. I think in the few minutes he's had, he looks like a freshman. Um, and unfortunately, this is no longer Holman. This is me. I'm not even factoring him mentally. I'm not even factoring him into when I think of Ohio State and this team and where they can go and what their potential is. I'm not factoring Taysen Chapman into that potential at all right now. Because I, right. I don't think – I think that the timing of the injury was so unfortunate that, you know, you miss the first four or five games and the rotation's kind of set. And I'm honestly surprised that he even played against Alabama. Like, that was the game that decided to, like, bring him in. Um, yeah, it was for 30 just, seconds. So I think that was just to get maybe Bruce a quick quick breather or something. And then, you know, they they, they have a pretty good thing going now. Like, Dale Bonner looked – for the first few games, Dale Bonner looked like he did not belong in the Big Ten, but the last few games, he's looked awesome. really good. They have a really good th- kind of three-man rotation with with Bonner, with Thornton, and with Roddy, where, you know, Bruce and Roddy are playing about 30 a game. I'd have to check Dale's minutes on the season, but it feels like Dale is playing 20 to 25, which means he's on the court more often than he's not. Um, there is not room right now for Taysen Chapman to carve out any meaningful minutes. And since he's so rusty, I, I just have a hard time seeing how he's going to ease himself back into being a difference maker. So until I see differently, I'm just not even really considering him as part of like the, as this team evolves, I'm just not really seeing that Taysen Chapman's going to be a big impact on this team, which is unfortunate because I feel like the injury changed that. Yeah, you talk about the minutes. Uh, Thornton's averaging thirty-one, Gale's averaging about thirty, and Bonner's averaging just over twenty. And I think you kind of brought up a good point of like I wasn't sure what Dale Bonner was going to bring to this team, and I thought maybe Chapman, as he got more comfortable and more used to the system, he might start to dig into Dale Bonner's minutes. But now, what Dale Bonner's done is, first of all, he's proven himself to. He came in as a defensive guy. 
He's proven himself that he is very capable offensively. I don't know where the hell that dunk came from tonight, but that was incredible. I mean, he didn't make it, but I didn't know he had the get-ups like that. I don't know. He knew he had the get-ups like that. Um, so he's pretty, I mean, shooting the ball very well. I think he's he's providing more than I think they expected. And when you have three guards, two of which are playing 30 minutes a game, the other one's playing 20, uh, you can just do the math on that one. Like, that's not there's not really room for another guy to slide in there. So I was very interested to see a lineup of uh, of Thornton, Chapman, and Gale. And I thought maybe, depending on where Chapman was, that could be a starting lineup. I kind of came off that once Chapman got hurt and had surgery, of course, because, you know, like you said, it was just such an unfortunate timing in the season, in the offseason to have that happen. Um, you know, it's interesting because it, it, it's probably best-case scenario that he just kind of plays maybe five to ten minutes a game this year. Get him into the rotation for sure. You don't want to lose him. He's a huge recruit, but and he's got a lot of talent. But, you know, he just plays kind of behind these three guys, you know, gets learns the speed of the game, gets healthy, learns the system. And then next year when Bonner's gone, you have that nucleus of those three plus Junie Mobley to come in. So uh, that would be a hell of a guard. As long as Thornton and Gale come back as juniors with Chapman as a sophomore, Junie Mobley as a freshman, that's a hell of a four-guard rotation you have there. Um, and probably three of those guys will probably be starters at some point. So that's where I think you are with with him. And um you know, I, th- I think that this year I, w- I would definitely any probably over the top production from him would just be an, an added bonus, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice to not have to rely on these guys to let them kind of get their feet wet, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be a downer, but like you have to be, a re- you know, you have to be a realist about, right. About where they're, where they're at in the season, who's playing and how much they're playing. And, you know, where, where are the minutes cut to get him in? And at, at the present time, whether it's Tayson Chapman's fault or not, um, he is not a better option than what they currently have on the floor. And it's like anybody and anybody that says like he needs more minutes, like you have no justification to say that right now. No, that's like, just that's just that's just hype. You, yeah, that's just hype. You have three. You have you got three guards who are all playing reasonably well. They have some three guard lineups they've been using that have been using reasonably well. Reasonably well. Holtman did say today that he he doesn't love he loves the three guard lineup offensively he doesn't love it as much defensively um just because dale dale bonner is kind of like a thinner guy he's just a little bit smaller so he doesn't love the defensively but you have three guards that are playing pretty well there's no justification for like cutting back those minutes for tasting chapman you know unless for some reason you're like hey i know that tasting chapman is a more productive player than dale bonner but like we don't have any reason to there's no justification for that right now. So it's just going to be hard for him to, to cut into those minutes unless like maybe somebody gets hurt. And when you look at those minutes right now with Thornton and Gale, them being at 31 and 30, they're only going to go up, right? They're only low right now because they're blowing out teams. They don't play in the last five or six minutes in big 10 play. Bruce Thornton is going to be hard to get off the floor. He was playing games last year. He's playing 40 minutes in games. He's going to play 35, 38 minutes in games. Friday Gale is going to play 30 to 34 barring any foul trouble. So then you bring in Dale Bonner for 15, 20 minutes. I think Dale Bonner's minutes are going to slip a little bit in big 10 play, but not a crazy amount, probably just like 20 to 15. And then that's your guard. That's your guard rotation. You know, you bring in Scotty Milton, Devin Royal and Jameson battle as your wings. And you got our par and key as your, as your two guys down low, that are probably going to play 20 and 20 like they're doing right now. So I think the rotation is getting very clear, very obvious. And, oh, and Mahaffey obviously is going to play like 20 minutes a game. So, um, 
another question that was in the community that wasn't directly to us, but I'm just curious. Uh, do you think they will make a change anytime soon with Mahaffey in the starting lineup for either Royal or Middleton? I, I say no. I think Mahaffey starting is a good thing. I think defensively he's really good. I don't love the fact he went 0 for 7 today, obviously, but I think you know they were just kind of leaving him open. He was shooting the ball. In big games, I don't think he's going to take those kinds of shots. I think in a game like this, you can just kind of see maybe where you are shooting-wise. It's a good form. It's just not quite there yet. He's a sophomore. Uh, but he provides so much yeah. rebounding-wise. He passes the ball well. He's their probably best defensive player outside of maybe Akpara. Just what do you think about that? Um, I do agree with you that you know he went you know he he had, he had a really Larry he had a Larry stat line honestly he had a very funny stat line he had five <laughs> assists he had no turnovers he four had boards. four rebounds yeah and then he was zero of seven shooting zero for three from three um you're you're totally spot on that like if you if this was a game in January against Wisconsin um Evan Mahaffey probably. He probably isn't taking seven shots, and he's definitely not taking three three pointers. Yeah, hundred percent. Like so, these games are happening. Like those shots are happening because Ohio State was up by a bunch, and Central Michigan was like, "Just go ahead and shoot it. We know you're going to miss it." Does that mean he probably shouldn't have shot it? Probably. But when you're up by thirty, the punishment for taking that shot is much less than if it was right. Like if he is, if this game is against. Uh, Michigan State in February, and Mahaffey shoots his second three-point attempt of the game, his ass is on the bench. Yeah, Chris Holman is running out there himself and pulling him off the game. And he yeah. actually got pulled. He actually did get pulled today um, a minute and a half into the game because over the first minute and a half, yeah, for Royal, because Holman said, like, I saw Evan's defense and I didn't like it. So we went ahead and got him out of there. Um, so <sighs> I could see his minutes declining. I don't know if there's anybody that they would trust right now to, like, start, like, I, I don't think that Devin Royals looks super comfortable. Um, I know he had 11 tonight, but like it was all in the second half when the game was out was was out of hand. It was much. I didn't think he back. had a. I didn't think he had a great first half. I thought the second half he looked way better, but the first half I thought it's been the games looked like it's been a little quick for him. It slowed just down in general. In half, but just, yeah, yeah just in just in general, Devin Royal like just doesn't quite look comfortable yet. Like there was a couple times tonight where he like caught the ball and like on the catch he went to move and I thought like he traveled. It's just because he's like he didn't get called for the travel, I don't think. But like he's just moving like he's moving too fast. He's overthinking some things. Like yeah. he just doesn't look super comfortable yet. So I don't think that they would plug in Devin Royal for Mahaffey. Um like right now Scotty's got a foot thing. So like he should probably play on Sunday. But like I don't think they would I don't think they would plug him in right now. So, no, I think Evan Mahaffey will probably keep starting. But, like, if anybody's tripping about the 0 for 7, 0 for 3, um, once they get into Big Ten play, um, he he won't be allowed to do that. Well, and that was the thing, and I didn't say anything. But, you know, what I thought when I saw the question was, should Middleton or Royal start over Mahaffey? And honestly, and they wouldn't do this because, like you said, Holman doesn't love it. But I would think a three-guard lineup starting of Thornton, Bonner, and Gale with Battle and Akpara might be more likely. But that's just not something Holtman likes to do, so he probably won't do it. But um, that was what I, I like. If anybody's close likes to starting, it, it's probably Bonner. He likes it offensively, like he likes that lineup, which is funny because Bonner is known I don't, as a defensive guy. But I guess I see his point; like he is kind of smaller. Yeah, he doesn't like right, right, right. Teams that are going to go, teams that are going to put a traditional center out there, plus you know a three and a four who are both forward 
air quotes, like forward sized, you know, think like Jamison battle sized. You, you don't love the idea of either Roddy or Dale Bonner having to pick those guys up. Yeah. Ideal, ideally. Um, but sometimes if it's working on the offense, if they're p- pushing tempo, you know, maybe he's willing to give up some points in the other end if it's offensively is working. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't trip too much about, I wouldn't trip too much about Mahavey just because same, same with Zed key threes like last year, like in, in crucial spots, they are not going to be drawing up three pointers for Evan Mahavey. Yeah. And, and like, I, I just don't think the starting lineup really matters. You know, like I, it's, it's, it's who's playing in the last six minutes of close games. And I don't remember who's playing. Have they played any close games, really? Technically, Alabama was kind of out of hand. Oakland was very close. Oakland was very Oakland, close. Yeah, that was the first game. Uh, and then AM was kind of close. I don't remember who exactly who was on the floor to end that game. I think Bonner was, but I could be I could be wrong. I don't even remember. That was ages ago. But nevertheless, we'll find out soon. They'll play some close games soon. So um, but yeah, yeah those were the uh, two questions. I was just curious to, you know. I think I I do think the rotation is definitely starting to get very apparent, uh, which is good. Yeah, I also think I was going to throw before we maybe talk about Minnesota for a split second. Get out of here. I also think that another reason that's a little bit harder for will be a little harder for Chapman to break in. I asked Holtman about this after the game. Um, Roddy Gale has become a much better creator for others a distributor yeah that's why i was trying to ask him was what i asked him after the game like his distributing to other guys being a creator for others like i didn't see that coming but like in a press conference nobody cares what i personally saw coming you want to ask you want to ask the coach like did he see that coming like and he said like when they were recruiting him like his ability to create for others even maybe if his offense wasn't clicking was their favorite thing about him as a high schooler. So it's going to be even harder for Chapman to scratch out some minutes when now Holtman's like, well, if Bruce needs a breather, and even if Dale needs a breather, like Roddy can handle the ball. I could do Roddy and Dale on the floor for a few minutes if need be. I could do Roddy and 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 at the one and Scotty at the two if need be. All of a sudden, you know, he's got three guards who on a per 40 minute basis, I should look it up. I bet Ohio state has three guards who on a per 40 minute basis are probably all averaging at least like six assists. Yeah. So um, if you, if I you think that Tayson Chapman's a good ball handler, it's like, okay, well that's a, that's a, that's a, a skill that is valuable, but now it's less valuable that you have three other guards that are also doing it at a high level. And Roddy wasn't expected to do it at that high of a level. At least I didn't expect that. <laughs> Yeah, Bonner's averaging less assists than you might think. In 20 minutes, he's only averaging one and a half. But um, I, and I also say, and this was what we kind of learned in the Alabama game, this is a team that I do think when you get into those late-game situations and you're trying to break a press, as I'm watching Arkansas very unsuccessfully do against Duke right now. They've just turned the ball over three times in a row. Um, when you get in those situations, Dale Bonner is probably always going to be on the floor. He's a good free-throw shooter, and he's going to be – kind of your calming influence. He's learned from those Baylor guards of Jared. Was it Jared Butler? Who am I thinking? Was that the Auburn kid mm-hmm. or was that the kid from Baylor? You no, know, I think Butler. Everybody, Baylor. Listen, everybody, everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. And then Davion Mitchell and, you know, uh, all those other, uh, what was the, he looked like a fullback. What was his name? Anyway, all those Baylor guards of, of the past that 
LJ Cryer, all of them. He's learned underneath. He knows how to break a press. He knows how to stay calm in those situations. And then you have Bruce Dorton, obviously, will be on the floor, and Roddy Gale. So you have three guards that are all probably pretty comfortable in those situations, and that's kind of rare for what we've seen with Holtman. Like, I mean, you think back to, like, Purdue and last year where they're trying to break a press and just assuming has the ball, you know. But when we look in Alabama, uh, it seemed like another thing, which was kind of nice, they're kind of uh, kind of a safety net, and I think that was the actual word that um, – the announcer used was Zed Key. Zed Key would run up and take the inbound pass from Thornton and then get it right back to him. And now all of a sudden Bruce Thornton is kind of running downhill with the ball. He can get to Dale Bonner or Roddy Gale and you're in kind of a good spot. Obviously you're in a bad spot if Zed Key catches that ball and can't get it out of his hands quickly. Uh, but it was, it was working well. So I think they just have a lot of versatility that I haven't seen from this team in a while. And it all starts with Bruce Thornton as kind of that calming influence and kind of, you know, again, one of the best point guards I've seen come through this program in a long time. And that's, I mean, that's just where any good team starts. It starts with your point guard. And I'm excited to watch, you know, the Dale Bonners of the world kind of work with Bruce Thornton. And I think that's going to be a really good pairing, especially, like I said, late in games with situations and whatnot. I agree. And uh, they've got Minnesota. This weekend, really, really weird tip time. It's like a it's six thirty, I believe, on Sunday night. Yeah. Really weird tip time for a Sunday game. Um, that's at that's at home. Yeah, it's at home. Cool. People are calling this Jameson Battle Revenge Game, which I'm not positive you can say because I don't think you can. Like there wasn't it wasn't a bad split from him with Minnesota, but I guess kind of still I think, revenge. I don't know. I think the I think the the bigger storyline for the Minnesota game is is winning to me to me the minnesota lost yes the minnesota loss started everything it started everything felt like it it felt like yeah it felt like a very like emotionally draining loss it was if i remember correctly ohio state was either they were either up one or they were tied and bruce thornton was called for a shooting foul with like 0.8 left on the clock that looked like a clean block but it wasn't Minnesota, well, allegedly wasn't. Minnesota hits free throws with like less than a second remaining, and I mean that—that's your ball game when you get called for a foul at the other end with less than a second left. Like that felt like the emotional, like, bottoming out of the season. Like the, all the air was out because they lost to Minnesota at home, and the guys that are on this year's team did not forget that. Like Felix Akpara was actually one of the post-game interviews. We don't talk to him a whole lot. He said it's gonna be super physical. And they beat us here last year. Yeah, so, he said that to Devin Royal, didn't he? Like, get ready to get physical. He he turned over and said, "It's gonna be real physical, buddy." He's he's really, <laughs> he's actually a really he's a really funny dude. We just don't talk to him a whole lot because it's rare that like he scores enough in a game that he ends up being the one at the interview table. But um, I think that's 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 the storyline for me that's interesting is like last year compare this where they stand now to to last year and how bad of a loss that was to Minnesota at home. And it just felt like emotionally, like that was like the absolute dagger. Like, like that is when everybody knew like this, this shit's fucked. Like it's done. Yeah. It was the first game you couldn't as positive people as we are, you couldn't defend, right. They lost to Purdue, which is like, Oh, like even a loss to Purdue as close as it was, we were like, that's a good, that's a, that's a positive. It's not negative. It's a positive. And then they lost to Maryland, but that was at College Park, and for some reason they never win there. 
Maryland was a decent team last year, a nine seed. We were like, you know what? You know, put that in the put that in the rear view, doesn't matter. And then you lose to Minnesota at home. And you're like, oh, okay. This some okay, something's wrong. Okay, this isn't good at all. That was where that was where it was the first, like you said, kind of, oh shit, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, is it was, it was yeah, it was a disaster. Um seemed like they're in a better spot this year. Um, you said the Jameson battle angle is like it's interesting, but honestly, like I think the fans, the Minnesota fans probably feel more hurt than like anybody on the team or the program or the coach or anything like that. It's more the fans are probably just a little upset that he said he was going to go pro that he transfers in conference instead. But for me, it's definitely more Ohio state losing to Minnesota. Um, Beating Minnesota is not going to really prove anything. They are number 135 in Ken Palm, just behind Long Beach State. Uh, I'm sorry, just in front of Long Beach State and behind um, the University of Seattle. So you beat Minnesota because you have to beat Minnesota, but it might feel like it might feel like a like a relief, like you're exercising demons from last year to like get that out of the way and beat Minnesota and just push forward. I don't know. I it's, mean, you can, you can, uh, we keep saying, oh, we think this year's different. And then we don't really have like anything to prove it, <laughs> technically. Uh, this could be the first time where you're like, hey, this is tangible evidence that this year could be different. If you, especially if you go in there and, and you win by 15 or 20, which they can do. It, so it's basically Dawson Garcia and his merry band of gentlemen. Dawson Garcia like, and friends. <laughs> yeah. He's averaging like, I, I think I have Minnesota stats up hold, and I can tell he's, he's a damn good player. He's, Dawson Garcia is averaging 19 points and eight rebounds per game, shooting 48% from the floor, 85% from the free throw line. He has not really shot threes this year, but um, like he's he was a problem last year. He's probably going to he be a 30, problem. He had 30 and 10, correct? That is, I, that, that is a problem. Um, yeah, he will probably problem. be a problem again this year, um, but I – could Minnesota's bad. I could totally see Dawson Garcia scoring 23 points and, you know, Minnesota still loses by, you know, 18 or something. I could see it knock on wood. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where you look at, um, little Max Christie's good too. Cam, I believe mm-hmm. he was a, he's a five-star that they brought in. So there's some talent on that team, but they just don't have the depth. Uh, it's kind of the same story every year with them. And, you know, like you said, it's just, it's one of those things where, or like I said, maybe this is where you can finally start. You you always want to start Big Ten playoff, you know, Big Ten play off with a win, and they get Minnesota and Penn State to start that. They don't, you know, those like like I said earlier, those are probably thirteen to fourteen in the Big Ten. Um, you, you just got to go out there and win those games. It's it's very simple. You are in you are in just win and move on mode officially, and that's where you know you can always learn things throughout games and whatnot. But it's easier to learn from wins and losses. So just win. Just beat Minnesota, beat Miami, Ohio, and beat Penn State, and get to UCLA nine and one. That's that's the biggest thing, and probably be a top twenty team in the country as you do it. Uh, I think if they they won, they will beat Central Michigan. I think if they beat Minnesota, depending be, on who, it'll be close. Yeah, depending on who loses in that, like 20, we already know, you know two teams are 20s. falling out because Mississippi State will fall out. They're twenty one. And unfortunately for Ohio State, Alabama will fall out because they just lost to Clemson. Because uh, again, they play negative defense. So um, ah, they CSC challenge finished seven to seven. Um, so 
you know, they, they'll probably they'll probably be close this week. If you win your two games this week and next week, you'll be ranked for sure heading into UCLA. So, and then you get UCLA, and then you get New Orleans, who stinks, and then you get West Virginia, who stinks. So, and then you get Big Ten Conference play. Ken Palm doesn't have Ohio State losing again till uh, January twenty third, I believe, which would put them at sixteen and one. And then it's really funny if you look at like, like and then like Joe Lenardi has like an eight seed in the tournament. Uh, if Ohio State's sixteen to one, they'll be like a top six team in the country. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it is kind of funny to think like how different some of these analytics are to where like a bracketology they're an eight seed, and then Ken Palm has them starting sixteen and one to the season. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, for people that are, like, you know this, but people that, like, don't look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm's margins are always so slim. So I don't know. I honestly don't understand Ken Palm, so maybe I don't know that, to be honest. They are very slim margins. Yes, I do know that. But It's it's slim margins where, like, Ohio State is hypothetically projected to win, say, their next January 3rd. So that's, like, their next, like, 10 games. But, like, you might look at it and be like, right, it might be like, Ohio State has Purdue at home. They have a 51% chance to win this game. They have Maryland at home. They have a 54% chance to win this game where like, if you know, you know, eighth grade math tells you like, okay, like the odds of you winning then Purdue and Maryland is going to be more like 30% when you add those together, but individually on a case by case by case basis, maybe Ohio state is projected to win every single game for the rest of time, but like on an individual basis, but like, Putting them all together, you know, it's not super likely they're gonna win. Well, that's, Ken Palm's margins are always Ken Palm's margins are always so slim too. And and that's that's like the funny part of like the game they do have Ohio State losing is at Nebraska, which a lot of people look at that and say that's a bad loss. So you know it is it is kind of funny. I mean, the, the Big Ten play isn't ter- they start at home with Rutgers, then they go at Indiana, which I might give Indiana a slight nod there just because it's at Assembly. Then it's at home against Wisconsin, at Michigan, at home against Penn State, and then it's that at Nebraska, at Northwestern, home against Illinois. That's their January. That's not that bad. You know, you avoid Purdue, you avoid Michigan State, you avoid like the at Maryland's of the world. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't want to look too far ahead though. We did that last year. <laughs> yeah, it's past my bedtime. We gotta we gotta wrap this up here. Um, it's, it's midnight for people listening. But be- be- before I wrap it up though, shout out to Joey Lane, friend of the pod, Joey Lane. Yes, former right. Ohio State walk-on Zoe Lane. Super, super cool to see Joey. Um, you know, when I was a student, getting to see Joey at the end of the bench, you know, the, when it was a blowout, people would chant for Joey just like they chant for, like, you know, Bowen Hardman and Colby Bauman now. So Joey was sitting on the opposite side of the court today, um, working for Big Ten Network, calling the game. Um, really cool for Joey. Um, folks know, like, Joey has a full-time job just like we do. This is all stuff he does not decide just because you know, he loves hoops. So shout-out to Joey. We're very proud of you. Hopefully he had fun because he seemed very nervous beforehand. Um, if you found found us on Land Grant Holy Land, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your music and podcasts um, so that you are notified when we put out new episodes. Um, football is slowing down now, sadly. So honestly, basketball is going to really be pushing it on the podcast. There'll probably be a little bit less football and a little more basketball than people are used to. So um, get in on that while you have a chance. Yeah, I noticed today, like, you could tell there were some people that were just, like, this was their first game they tuned into. And uh, Dalton Newt had 37. I watched the game. That's bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, you could tell it was kind of some people's first time watching because, you know, Ohio State, because they lost. And 
you know, they, you know, this is when people, they still have a small path to the playoff, but I don't think it'll happen. Texas would have to lose, and I don't see Texas losing to Oklahoma State. So, anyway, uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at Bucketheads LGPN. Uh, you know, we're going to keep tweeting throughout games, you know, maybe start doing some little pop up uh, videos just with reactions. Who knows? Uh, it's kind of hard to really like, I don't want to say care, but <laughs> like tweet updates and takeaways when you win a game by 30. Uh, so obviously once they get back into, you know, conference play and, and start playing those close games, that that's when, you know, you want to follow us on social media and, and get all those, those fun things. And uh, you can follow me at Justin under, underscore, maybe, I don't know, Justin underscore or not Golba. And uh, Connor, where are you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. As Justin said, uh, win, lose, or draw, we will continue to tweet through it. We always have. We always will. So, I did stop a little bit last year, I'm going to be honest. Everybody have a great weekend. <laughs> um, catch the Buckeyes on Sunday night, 6.30 against Minnesota. I'm assuming it's going to be on BTN. Honestly, I don't have a schedule in front of me, but yeah. I'll bank on BTN, 6.30. Check them out against Minnesota. See if they can exercise some demons against the Gophers. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.